Welcome back to the renewal session. I'm your host, Marianne, Christian therapist, teacher, speaker, author, and I'm here today with my co-host and favorite daughter, only daughter, but still favorite daughter, Katie. Hi, everybody. Yes, Hi, Katie. I am, who I are am you? the only daughter. Yeah, tell us who um, you are. I'm Katie. I'm Marianne's daughter. I've said that three times, but Sorry about that. Yeah, still true. Um, I'm a social worker. I am a dog mom. I'm a part-time podcaster, and uh, I'm a thrifter, and I love a good home decor moment. You um, do. That's true. Yeah. Yep. So, so uh, how, how's your day been? I mean, good. do you Today feel a little uh, off right now? I do feel, I do feel off. Um, yeah, tell we're everybody not why. Our, we're not in our normal seating arrangement. I got um, switched to being in the Chase Lounge, uh, and I feel like I'm in a little bit of a hole back here, but um, I'm also looking to the right instead of the left. Um, I feel really like just very I feel like it's just throwing me off. So I'm gonna I'm gonna power through, but I'm not really I, like I gotta adjust. I'm stuck in this hole, chase, and my toes are cold, so I need to tuck them. But I get it's just there's oh a gosh, lot going on. So much going on. There's a lot going on, but yeah, no. Today was my day off. So, yeah, what'd you do? Um, I got to enjoy that. Um, well, so I am a big thrifter, and I have explored and exhausted all of the goodwills in this area. So I said to myself, let's go explore the northern route. What is that? So I went all the way up to St. Charles and Batavia and North Aurora and went to all of their Goodwills. And had, okay. So for ball. those of you listening, we live in the Chicagoland area. Yeah. Um, and Katie has um, just this desire to experience all the different kinds of goodwills in the Chicago land area. Well, because like some, they're pretty diverse. Yeah. So like our goodwill has a lot of like um, Gap and Old Navy and like that kind of brand. But like St. Charles is going to have Tommy Hilfiger, Ralph Lauren. Like it's just different. And so I wanted to go up there and see what I could find. I found some really good stuff. Oh, you did? I found a vintage Laura Ashley wool sweater. That is so cute with blossom sleeves. I'm obsessed with it. How much you pay? Six dollars. Oh, see, that's you. what's so fun about it because it's like you a, you it's love a timeless a wool piece that'll last me forever. You know, it's it's isn't navy. that what you said about your uh, Pendleton blanket? Well, the timeless yeah, wool. But the, but where the, is that now? But the Pendleton blanket was pink. Where was that? Where is it now? That's back at Goodwill. I rented it. <laughs> That's what she calls her. If I get something in Goodwill and then like yeah. three months later I regret the purchase, I return it to Goodwill and I rented it for $4. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I did not have the day off. So you've I'm been, coming. You've been talking, talking, talking all I, day. Yeah. I started clients. I don't think clients. I spoke a single word until 2 p.m. Really? Yeah, it was wow. great. <laughs> so I started clients at 8 Ugh. this morning, I think. Mm. And I'm done for the day so that's probably a normal work day the challenge is when I do a long day like this I literally only take a bathroom break of like 30 seconds between clients so it's a real marathon yeah it really really is but I'm I'm excited to be doing this yeah Um, it works your brain in a different way yeah 100% so this podcast is is if you've not listened before, because we didn't really lead with this, we don't do a formal intro that tells you exactly what we do. Right, but now you're stuck four minutes in just now finding out what we're going to talk about. 
<laughs> okay. But this podcast is really focused on um, mental health yep. concepts and self-improvement and weaving in intermittently um, conversations about faith. Yes. And so today, one of the things that's been happening a lot in counseling is that I have to talk about this idea of the six big feelings that create reactions in Mm. people. That's a pretty common thing. Yeah. And, um, and I got to looking at our different shows and I realized, I don't think I've actually talked about this on the show. And this is like almost something I talk about every single week. Yeah. In my practice. And I certainly think it's something that we talk about in our personal lives totally so i'm going to list off six primary feelings that often cause reactions in people and we'll unpack them and for those of you who have listened to other episodes one of the things that i often make katie do is be my guinea pig of reflection yeah so that she really has to sit back and say well which one of these caused me to trigger and when i get triggered how do i react and so you are a guinea pig that's fine Okay, this yeah. is going to be good. Yeah, I'm okay. excited. So I'm going to rattle them off Yep, because I tend to love my lists, as you like to say. Yep. Um, and then we'll unpack them. Cool. So the big six feelings that often cause reactions and trigger people um, into feeling unsafe are fear, guilt, shame, powerlessness, betrayal, and abandonment. Right? And every single person has experienced those on some levels. So we'll, but we'll unpack them mm-hmm. just the same. Just out of curiosity, hearing the list, yeah, is there one that sticks out to you the most before we go into each individual one? Um, fear, guilt, shame, powerlessness, betrayal, betrayal, and abandonment, and abandonment. Um, I would say. Fear is probably my number one. Um, so I fear, think that let's define it really quick. Yeah. Okay. And okay. then you tell me if that's, you still stand by that answer. Okay. Okay. So fear is an unpleasant emotion. Would you not agree? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that is caused by a belief that someone or something is dangerous. Yeah. It's likely to cause you pain or is in some way a threat. Yeah. Right. So what, when you think of fear, usually there are there are different types, right? And we have fear responses. Yeah. And fear responses are when we when I say, oh, you know, these cause reactions. Yeah, the fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah, and don't forget fawn. Oh, I do fawn. You do fawn. Oh, oh my gosh, I just had a total ADD moment. Oh, what? People, last night, Katie ran into a store right? Am I getting this right? You ran into the story and you ran into um, Flora Fawn and Meriwether. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they were funny. Yeah. Th- no, I was in a grocery store and I was getting apples and I couldn't check out because I also was getting a bottle of wine and the lady that needed to check my ID was stuck talking to these little old ladies that looked like um, the fairy, god the fairy godmothers from Cinderella. Like if they, I mean, they were like they pretty much were in like monochromatic outfits too. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, and they've probably got little birds like tweeting outside. around. Them. They were just cute. Yeah. So that's what it made me think yeah. of when we said the Flora, word fawn. fauna and Meriwether. Yeah. yeah. We love them. They were cute. 
cute little godmothers. Anyway, yeah, f- fear for me is the I it think is. the one that stands out. I don't ever really feel like anybody betrays me. I don't feel like that's a you know I I think that I limit myself because of fear. And like the unsafe feeling that I have is that if I pursue certain things in life or certain relationships or show certain vulnerabilities, that it will be dangerous and it will put my current way of living in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. So like I'm scared to try and apply for other jobs because my life is comfortable the way it is. And so it just kind of keeps me stagnant and then I'm frozen. Okay, so freeze, is is that your primary reaction, you think? I think I freeze a lot. Like, I think I have more ideas in my head that I would pursue if I wasn't scared. I'm a fighter. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm fearful, I'm in for a fight. Now, typically, I'm not frozen by career moves, but I think that has a lot to do now with real strong sense of autonomy. Uh, autonomy. Yeah, I think once you go into private practice and somebody else, you are not at the mercy of a system dictating how your life goes. Um, That piece goes away. But but if I am fearful, it is usually tied to one of the other six, which I'll get into in a minute, but it will produce a fight in me. Yeah, Um, which is good to know about yourself. You know, I freeze. Yeah. I become non-decisional. I become completely like a, like just like a little sponge. So even what about in relationships with other people when you are trying to like there's some form of conflict coming in and you're fearful about the the future of the friendship or I freeze. you freeze. Yeah. I it takes me a long time to get to that point though. I mean, if you really sit and think about it, in my history of relationships and dating, I don't ever believe that something's not capable, like that I'm not capable of making something happen or certain progress being made. It is when I get to the point where I realize, oh, the progress is not being made, then I become fearful and then I get quiet and I shut down and I freeze. Right, and yeah. if I, f- I feel that a relationship is in jeopardy, I will often come forward in a fight yeah. to try to get the person to engage. No, I go it's, quiet. It's, a, it's like a faulty, unhealthy bid for connection in a weird way. Yeah. Right, like, come on, come on, fight with me. Now I know you're in it. Now right. I know you care. Right. Um, right, but those, those fear responses, right, mm-hmm. don't always have to do um, with just fight, fight, freeze, fawn. Yeah. Right. They can also look like avoidance, mm-hmm. right? It can look like I'm just going to turn on the television and completely ignore the, issue. ignore you. Yeah. Right. Which is a form of flight, which is a form of freeze. Right. Right. But a lot of people don't just classically fall into those fear responses. Right. Yeah. Okay, so the next one was shame. Yep. Right? And shame is typically associated with these that something has happened that has led you to feeling that you are not good enough. Is that not true about being a woman? Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> Tell me this. No, I just think that um, for a lot of people, not just women, I think, you know, minority groups and um, people that have, you know, had a hard time in life, 
there's a feeling sometimes of like there's something inherently wrong with me. And I feel shame about my like self, if that makes sense. Like they, they, there's a thought of like, okay, well, if it, if something's going wrong in life, then there must be something wrong with me, not that life is hard. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, you know, it's, it's deep vulnerability. Yeah. Shame produces deep vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're in a relationship with somebody that doesn't um, take accountability yeah. for the part that they play yeah. in something – um, we can be quick to shame ourselves. I have this experience because I am quick with my tongue. Mm. <laughs> are, are you going to? I'm. Were no, you going to say that's no not true? Comment, huh? but you're not. You're also not known for being a liar. Wait. <laughs> well, I'm not going to feel like you. I'm like not totally going gonna, gonna to acknowledge that like, you have yes, a quick mom. tongue. Yes, I'm, I'm not going to acknowledge you have a quick tongue, but I am going to acknowledge. You don't typically lie about yourself. That's true as well. So there we go. So so what? one of the things that can happen, for me anyway, mm-hmm. is that I can get myself in a situation and then afterwards replay that situation in my mind yeah. and, and get myself all worked up and start to feel my entry point is usually guilt. Mm-hmm. And I usually feel what what I will refer to as inappropriate guilt means I didn't do anything morally or ethically wrong, Mm -hmm. but, but I've done, I've been so free with my thinking or my statements that now in re reprocessing it, I start to overthink, did I do something? I shouldn't have, should I say something I shouldn't have said? Right. Right. Like when, why do those rules even matter? Exactly. Right. Like you have the freedom of speech and you have freedom of thought and right. Yeah. But so that, that would be inappropriate. Guilt but depending then. on your family of origin, right? Mm-hmm. If your family of origin is a family that says, um, this is how we think, this is how we do, this is how we exactly, live. Then shame can be a place that you automatically go to. If you're different. If you do, if you do, if you break the shoulds. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. My joke, I said this to somebody today. They were listing off, of, for some reason, some shoulds that they were, you know, thought they should appeal, you know, do. Yeah. Right. And I was like, so is your big plan to should yourself to death? <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. That is funny. Yeah. They didn't laugh. Oh, well, they were vulnerable. And then I was like, oh. But it was clever. I like that. I thought it was funny too. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I do think that's hard. I think that um, sometimes even. Our, our shame, I think, leaks into social situations, which I think a lot of people can relate to, of like, oh, my personality doesn't necessarily fit into this group, and so I feel like I'm taking up space, and that, like, I'm making things weird. I feel that sometimes. Where, yeah. like, my personality is just, like, a little bit different from my other, like, from my peers, and then I feel like, oh, I should let them talk. I shouldn't interact, because I'm, like, a little weird. I feel that sometimes. Yeah, and usually what happens with shame is whatever messages you got in excess growing up, mm-hmm. what and it doesn't necessarily have to come from your parents. It could have come from an experience with peers growing right. up. But any message that you received in excess growing up, any state of vulnerability has the propensity to pull those messages forward mm-hmm. with 
shame attached to it. Which is so interesting because we're sitting here thinking that. And I'm like, well, I know you didn't tell me that I shouldn't talk to like groups of friends and that I shouldn't be like a key player. But do you remember when I was little, we always talked about how I was such a good fringe player and that I would bounce around social groups and I was really good about being friends with lots of different types of people. Yeah. I think that there's a part of me that kind of struggles now to feel like I'm a part of a core group because I always identified as a I feel like you're having an aha moment right here. Oh my gosh, I really am. Don't you think that's that like I mean think about it when I went to high school it was always oh Katie can jump around to all the different groups yeah you can play with anybody and then now I find myself having a really hard time staying and like allowing myself to feel like a central person in a group because I always was a fringe player which is so interesting because we felt and I think you would agree that it was meant to to be the, like you're a flexible person, yes. you blend in every crowd, all of that. Or you don't have to, yeah, you don't yeah. have to be with just one crowd of people. Mm-hmm. You can enjoy the people that love to read books. Yeah, but the second it gets too intimate in a friend group, yeah, I'm like, oh, this is, this is way more than I'm used to. I'm a fringe player. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like freak myself out and I find, I start to like nitpick and try and find things that are wrong because I'm, I'm like afraid of the of what of the like the intimacy of it because I've never done it I haven't really I haven't really had a super solid friend group ever I mean maybe in college but that was like a year Katie you went to college for more than one year I wasn't friends with them my first year so what'd you do your other years (laughs) I was I was just kind of beating my own drum I always have but yeah I think I have one year where I had a solid like Friend six, group. six people that I was like, these are my people. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to hijack the, but which, I, I which is interesting, interesting. But so let's just say, cause the idea is that these are six feelings that cause us to feel reactive. Yeah. So when you are in a fringe situation and it starts to get too intimate, do you feel any one of these six feelings? Fear, shame, guilt, abandonment, powerlessness, betrayal. Um, I think I probably feel um, fear, fear. Yeah, because it's just an unknown for me. It's like a I'm not used to getting intimacy outside of our family. So then you freeze and you flee. Correct. So sorry to all the people where I have been a person that gets scared of intimacy in our friendships. <laughs> oh my gosh! But no, I think that's a real. I, I always have just defaulted to our family as my intimacy in life and my, like where I'm vulnerable. And so I've always had a hard time because I'm usually the supportive friend. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I cannot wait to see after we are done. Yeah. You unpack this and over and over and over again. And this is this is actually why this stuff is so beneficial. Yeah. It's because we get to go, well, what do I do when I have this feeling? Well, and I also feel like it's important for us to explore examples that aren't like deep and heavy. Like, there's nothing really deep or heavy about what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I do think there is definitely room to process how fear can be, like, debilitating in life. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, fear can show itself in lots of different ways. And so, you know, for me right now, the example we're working with is a more, like, kind of, oh, interesting. I should reflect on that. Insight-oriented. But fear can genuinely, like, lead to some pretty catastrophic results in people's lives. Yeah. 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 I would say that's interesting that you chose fear because if I was going to say what is my primary trigger, trigger, 
I'm going to say the words to you, and then you are going to tell me what you think my trigger is, and I'll see if I agree with you. Oh, okay. Okay, again, yep. fear, shame, guilt, abandonment, powerlessness, betrayal. Powerlessness. 100%. Yeah. That's exactly. Why did you say that? Um, I think that you always are um, wanting to feel confident. I, I, I think you are a person that really wants to feel competent and capable and um like in a position where you have options and i think the second that someone makes you feel like you don't have options or that you don't have a voice it immediately takes your power and that's when you fight yes yeah i would agree yeah so i would actually say that powerlessness coupled with guilt Oh, interesting. I would not have chosen guilt. I would well, have chosen... Don't, don't choose guilt then. I just Fear guessing. of abandonment. Oh, okay. Right? Because it, in my experience in relationships earlier in life, yeah, when I believed that I was not doing what people expected of me, yeah, I also then believed that those people would eventually leave me. Yeah. They would emotionally abandon me. An emotional connection was so tentative anyway. Yeah. That I believe the only way I was going to achieve true, solid, stable emotional attentiveness mm -hmm. was by being perfect. Yeah. Right? And the minute I could not achieve that sense of perfection, mm -hmm. then I was always at risk of being powerless to be abandoned. Yeah. Right. And so one of the things that I talk a lot about with with clients is I will say the more of it, the more a situation causes you to feel mm -hmm. multiple, multiple. I'm not saying this sentence correctly. Let's <laughs> rewind. rewind. If I'm in a situation and I feel a multitude of these feelings, right. not just one, I'm going to react bigger. So the more I feel, the more I react. Yep. Right. The more I understand what it is of those six feelings I'm feeling, the more I can provide what I need in order to regulate. Right. Provide yourself. Yes. Yeah. And so that is why, like, if I have a high reaction and I use this and I, I know nobody can see me, but I just want you to take your hand and like, you know, Put it as a benchmark in the air. So how do you describe this? A 90-degree um, angle? Take Make your fist into a 90-degree angle and set it at chest height. Okay. Now take your other hand and match it. Now they are parallel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's a situation. Yep. And here is your reaction. Right. They should match. They should match. Okay. If your reaction to a situation is not matching, but it is higher... So put your right hand higher. <laughs> <laughs> or it's lower. Now put it lower than the original stance. <laughs> so it is below the left hand now. <laughs> then it is an indicator of unresolved stuff. Yep. Okay. Got the gap. The gap. Yep. So I want to know what feelings did I feel in that those gaps? The gap. In the gaps. Yeah. And then begin to ask the question, when a person feels shame, what do they need? Yeah, to fill the gap in order to make their what reaction What corrective come back emotional up. experience do I need? 
right? So if you're feeling fear and you're- Oh my gosh, I have an example of this. Oh my gosh, I want to hear it. Okay, so I think we've talked about my hot yoga experience before, haven't we? Ah, gosh. That was a I while know you ago. and I have. I okay. don't know if we talked about so anyway, it on the show. Okay, so this is for shame for me. This is an example of me overcoming shame. Okay. So my entire life, um, I have struggled with my weight. And two years ago, I got gastric bypass surgery. And it's been so freeing to not every single day have the shame and, like, insecurity that was wrapped around my weight for me. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when I was in still really struggling with my weight. I gained a lot of weight during my master's and I was doing my master's and I met this friend and she was like, Hey, we're going to go do hot yoga. And she, this is my nightmare. Yeah. It's not fun, but it was very liberating. And so we went and we went a couple times and you know, her and I connected and we were really good friends and we connected over our body struggles. Cause at the time we were working at a, um, eating disorder treatment center And that just automatically makes you have to talk about your body more because you're talking with other people about theirs. And so it was just like a kind of not a great place probably for me to be working at the time. But (laughs) anyway, we we compartmentalize and move on in this house. So anyway, I I was working there. Not really. We don't actually do that. We do. (laughs) Right in that moment I did. So anyway. We were going to this hot yoga and we were there because it was $5 Wednesdays and we're doing these classes and it is so hot in there. It's like 103 degrees, no airflow, like everybody is sweating and I'm not an athletic person, but I was trying to- I'm so triggered right now to tell a story about you. Don't. So I, you have plenty- Mm-hmm. of stories. So anyway, I um was doing my workout whatever and I kept looking over at these girls that were like working out in their little spandex bras, like their sports bras and their little yoga pants and, and I just thought, "Oh my gosh, they are like the cool yoga girls." And I am sitting here in my like Hogwarts t-shirt with my like Costco yoga pants. <laughs> hey, don't and, hate. No, they're really good yoga pants, but I was like, I just don't feel like I'm like, I, I feel ashamed being here. Like, I feel like I'm less yeah. than these other girls. And so I wrestled with it. And we went for, like, three months straight. And then at some point, I looked over to my friend, and I was like, I can't keep doing this. And I had a burst of confidence. And I took my Hogwarts shirt off, and I did yoga like everybody else was doing yoga in a sports bra and yoga pants. Oh, my gosh. And I have never felt more liberated because then she took her t-shirt off and so did her friend that had joined us that night and we all it was like this it was just this moment it was this release to say the shame that I'm carrying is only being placed by me like those girls in the lululemon they they didn't even pay attention to me they don't care like I'm over here on a completely different side of the room and I'm limiting myself from the body acceptance and the body pause. It was so powerful that I literally have an art page in my art journal that I was doing at the time where I'm like sitting cross-legged in a namaste pose and I've got a sports bra on in my art page because I was so proud of myself that I wanted to like document it. Amazing. Because I think when we overcome our shame and we allow ourselves to acknowledge where the shame is coming from, it it does provide power. And you're touching on something that we'll talk about in another episode, but I think what actually happened is the essence of your true self 
Mm -hmm. right? The sense of security that you did have in yourself. Right. Like I made a choice. Yeah. I made a choice to love myself and love yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people listen to that and go, well, I just, I don't, I don't, that doesn't happen to me that way. And that's why we're going to have to dedicate another episode to really talking about the principles of identifying your true self. Yeah. That would and be the so concepts yeah. and qualities that exist within our true identity. Right. Yeah. And we're going to lean heavily into that, um, that, uh, that idea from a therapeutic principle called internal family systems. Yeah. I love that their explanation of how we appear, how we show up in the world when we are living out of our true self. But that's just such a great example of your true self came forward and gave you what you needed to have a corrective emotional experience so that the situation and your emotional reaction to it began to match. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think that's what's so going to be so interesting about that episode too, is because there is a self that we live out of. Mm-hmm. And then there is your true self. Yes. And we can love and honor the self we live out of because it gets us through life. It makes things happen, whatever. But then there's like our true self. And life would look a lot different sometimes if we let ourselves live fully in the true self. Yes. Like yeah. I know my life would look so much different if I lived out of my true self. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can see the passion growing. Well, it's just it's, for that second. Chill out. Okay. I'm not, oh, sorry, my bad. My bad. <laughs> okay, so let's let's touch yeah. on the others. I I think I've said this before in other episodes, but I want to reveal again that there are two forms of guilt. Yeah. And we often don't think about it that way. There is appropriate guilt, which is I did something morally and ethically wrong that might have hurt another person or myself, and I need to turn from that choice, perhaps even ask forgiveness or, you know, and and make a different path for myself, right? Mm-hmm. Make amends. Yeah. Okay. But then there is inappropriate guilt that often comes from the rules and regulations that are placed up upon us. Yep. And we've not actually done anything morally or ethically wrong. Right. Right. So when our emotional reaction happens and we are able to identify that guilt is one of those reactions, and then we get to dissect it a minute and go, is this appropriate or inappropriate? Yeah. And do you know that there are so many people that one didn't even know the difference and two quickly discovered that it's inappropriate guilt because it's tied to some should mm-hmm. some have to yep. some like you're not going to be worthy. Right. And so inappropriate guilt is a really is strong trailhead into some of those other reactions. Yeah. Right. So when we unpack these things, part of what we want to do is honor our story in such a way that it allows for us to understand and provide for us what we need. You know, if every single time you do something in a relationship, you have a fear for abandonment that didn't just start in the present. Right. There's a story there. Right. right? And if we are doing something to care for ourselves properly part of what we will have to do is honor the story that led to the reaction yeah and then ask the question of ourselves what do i need in order to heal this yep so that i'm not always reacting right you know i'm watching gray's anatomy right now oh love 
I know. It, and it's so funny because you, when we started <clears> it, you were like, oh, oh my gosh, gosh, I'm going to watch this now that I work in a hospital. Uh-huh. And then every time you sit down and watch it with me, you're like, this is nothing like a real hospital. Doctors would never do this. Right. Right. They literally have doctors doing some of the craziest stuff. Right. That but, like I do. <laughs> right. But if you think about it and I'm again, it's just because I'm right. heavily into grays right now. Yeah. Right. But if I come in with a reaction yeah. to something like I've, I've got some kind of physical reaction to uh, something. They're going to diagnose it, try to figure out what the root cause of it is. Mm-hmm. And this is what I say. People, emotional reactions have root causes. Yep. Let's love ourselves enough to examine the root cause. Ask the question, where did the wound begin? What do I need to heal? What did I, what did I miss in the original moments of my life that yeah. I needed? And I'm going to tell you, Katie, nine times out of ten, you know what it is? Mm. Comfort. Oh. We withhold comfort from each other all the time. Hmm. I cannot tell you the number of people that sit with me who have heard repetitively through their lives when they have had big feelings, get over it, suck it up, deal with it, move on, Learn how to be more, you know, tough. Well, comfort, though, requires the other person to be willing to be vulnerable. Right. But if you are touched with your true self, you yeah. have the capacity to comfort yourself. And one of the ways I did this, I stumbled on this worksheet the other day, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this would be so intense. I don't know if I could introduce this yeah. easily in therapy without people really probably struggling. Mm-hmm. But it was an identity map. And the first thing that you had to do is you had to find – five pictures representing five seasons of your life. Oh. And put them on a piece of paper and describe how other people described that version of you. Oh my gosh. And this how would make me cry. And how you would describe that version of you. Oh, that would make me cry. And how and then and then it said and if you ha- if you were able to receive the truth about yourself now, what would right. you tell that little girl? What would you tell that little boy? Can I do right. that? Yeah, sure. Oh, my gosh. I'll make it a poster board. Go right ahead. Crawl up in that crawl space and find those pictures. You know, they said that the the, um, the millennial generation is going to be the last generation to actually print pictures. I believe that's true. Isn't that crazy? But I think, but to circle back to this, this thing, right? These yeah. five pictures, five seasons... What I thought was so powerful about it is is that if I printed off a picture of myself at five years old, I'm not I'm not saying this in an arrogant way. I'm saying I was a really freaking cute five year old, yep, right? You were, and I would be so excited to know her. Yeah, and what would it look like if I wrote a letter to my five year old self and said? Oh my gosh, you're the cutest thing. I heard you, you know, I have this tape that Granny made mm-hmm. of me singing Aww. when I was little Farrah Jaca. Oh, I think I've heard it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was singing Farrah Jaca. It was good. I sounded good. I could have been somebody sometime. Could have been somebody. Could have been somebody. But I don't suspect that Granny withheld from me. Oh my gosh, Marianne, that's so cute. She obviously taped me. Right. She thought I was cute. Right. Doing it. What a beautiful thing for me to put on my identity map that at five years old, my mom had a tape of me singing Farajaka because she thought I was great. Yeah. That's sweet. 
right? Yeah. But my mom takes pictures of me crying on staircases. Okay, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) That's like literally when you said, oh, five pictures, I started racking my brain. A five pictures. One of the major, one of the major ones was when I was crying on the staircase when I was going to go to Hollywood. Okay, listen, I wasn't always. But then I also thought about the picture where I was at Libby Lou in my leather pants, and I struck a a rock star pose. Oh yes, and I was like eight, and I, you know, I always think about like, oh, I was so like goofy and confident. Was that the night that we were at the mall? I know it was your cousin's birthday party, but was also Nick Jonas at the mall that night? Oh, was that the same night? No, it was not the same night. Oh, it wasn't? No. Okay. Nick Jonas was during the day. Oh, he was? Yeah, because he and his brothers were shopping before they opened for Hannah Montana that night at the Fox Theater in St. Louis. Oh. And so they were out walking around before their show. That's how long ago. How, how old were you when you walked up to them? I think I was like 12. And they were in a J uh, a K, K Jewelers. Yeah. And I walked up to them like pretending like I was going to buy something. And Kevin was standing there, and I was like, hi, my name's Katie. What's yours? <laughs> That's what I said to Kevin Jonas after I had run across the mall because I saw them. Out of breath. Out of breath. <laughs> and, of course, Nick was nowhere to be found. Oh, I know. It's just Kevin and that Joe. Work out. Yeah, the two, like, worst ones. Oh. Joe is a weirdo. How funny. I saw something the I'm other like, day. I'm where, like, Sophie, somebody I'm team Sophie up. Turner in the okay, messiness. We're not even. We're not even getting into it right yeah. now. But okay. but I, I think, you know, to circle back to the final, our emotional reactions should match the situation. When they don't match the situation, it's an indicator of an unresolved issue, wound yeah. in your life. Totally. Let's identify which of those six feelings, if not potentially all of those six feelings that are being triggered and then ask the question, what do I need in order to have an emotionally corrective experience? Yeah. Right. And sometimes the easiest way to get there is to ask yourself, how old do I feel? Mm. Right. And that's where that identity map can come in. So, Uh, That might very well need to be another episode where I pick five pictures, you pick five pictures, and then we talk about how we view that girl. Oh, that would be interesting. I feel like that would need to be a video. Oof. I know. Where we, like, show the pictures. some roughness. Do you know? Okay. I know we have to end, but another picture did just run into my mind. When I was, like, I don't know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, something like this, I had pneumonia. Oh, really bad. But my my good friend, her mom was a florist. Okay. And so she sent me a floral arrangement that looked like an ice cream sundae. (gasps) Cute. It was real cute. Well, Granny wanted me to feel better about myself, and I had this beautiful blonde hair all one length. You know, it was cute. Yeah. And everything. And I decided what I really needed was layers and a perm. Oh, my God. Right before I got pneumonia. (gasps) So then I'm sick. Ice cream Sunday floral arrangement shows up at my house. It's so sweet that for whatever reason, a picture gets taken of me like sipping from the flowers. Oh my gosh, I've never seen this picture. Katie, no one person should have this picture ever because my hair is so jacked up. Oh no. Because it was permed and layered and I had not showered or gotten ready for this. And you know what that looks like? Not good. But also, Not when you have pneumonia, good. you lay down a lot. Does that mess up your perm? Is I don't know how perms work. Like, 
Yeah, it's just, okay. it just messy. Just, just the whole situation all messy. not right. It was it was a bad season. Oh my god! And then I think my school picture that year I was in brown. What I know it was. <laughs> Golly! And I think so, I sang in the. I know I actually weren't did. you Gretel. I sang in the school talent show. Lionel Richie, um, stuck on you. Oh my gosh! And no. I came in second place behind Michelle Bosworth because she sang Borderline by uh, Madonna. Madonna, yeah, yeah. Wow, she was. You the were most also popular you were really cute though because you were also Gretel in The Sound of Music. I was, yeah. And then this is a fun fact for the listeners. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Annie, the musical, but you know, NYC girl that comes out and she's like, NYC. And she's got her suitcases and she's like, just made it to New York. And yeah. Annie and Daddy Warbucks Why are, are going to go see her. explaining this to me? Well, I know for people, so they have context. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's not us talking. Sorry. But anyway, um, mom played NYC girl when her school did Annie and I also played NYC girl when my school did Annie. I thought that was really cute. That and cute. I found my own vintage suitcase for that show. It was blue. Do you remember that? And then I donated it to the school theater department. Cause you were like, I don't want this suitcase in my house <laughs> <laughs> after the show was done. <laughs> I got it at like a little antique store. Cause we were in charge of our own costumes. You see, your thrifting jeans started all the way all back then. All those years. All the way back then. All right, people, I know we've gone long. <laughs> but you learned and a lot. I had a, had a moment here at the end. But I really do want to invite you to begin to notice that our reactions are indicators. Totally. Right? Our emotional dysregulation are, is indicators of we, are ha- we have a need that needs to be addressed. Yep. And we have care that we need to receive. And that we can provide that within ourselves. And so next episode, we will attempt to talk to you about what it is to identify your true self. Yeah. And what are the attributes and qualities that come with that. I think that'll be really interesting. Katie, thanks for coming back and joining me. Absolutely. I, I hope you're successful in getting out of that chair over there. Yeah, I wish me luck, everybody. Yeah. All okay. right. Until next time, take care. Have a good one.